welcome back to Why Two Kids. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And Taylor, this is our Christmas special for 2023. We jumped right over my birthday. We did. Okay, so before we get into it, a, a couple bits of housekeeping before we begin. Um, folks that listen to this show know that we had promised Taylor's birthday episode last week, but we were very sick. You might still be able to hear it in our voices. Yes, we were sick, and uh, we, we are uh, definitely significantly on the mend now. We just could not do it last week, so we ended up rerunning your birthday special from last year, your Degrassi episode. But in case you were worried... I would never let Patrick miss my birthday. <laughs> so on my birthday, we watched home videos, which we will talk about in a future episode, um, which I think were very enlightening for you to watch, little me. Um, and to make the deal a little bit sweeter, we promised you H2O Just Add Water. Well, let me hop in here real quick. If you, folks that listened to that last episode, which I can't even remember what it was at this point, our most recent Y2 Kids, might have been the Fox and the Hound, um... Where I was like, I feel like I watched this, but I remember it being a movie. I remember HBO being a movie. And then H2O. H2O, thank you. What did I say? HBO? HBO. <laughs> uh, H2O being a movie. Um, and then the DVD that we have says, like, the 90-minute movie cut of the first four episodes. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. Turns out, <laughs> I learned, like, the other day. At my birthday when my cousin brought it up. Because she went, oh, no, I never watched H2O, but I watched Aquamarine, and I think my brain exploded because I never knew that those were two different things because they were around the same year. They were both 2006. Yeah, I mean, Mermaids Mermaids had a moment, okay? <laughs> we will get into that in that episode, but I have a lot to say about the mermaid revolution of the, of the early 2000s. And they have the same exact poster, which is three preteen teen girls lying on their stomachs with their legs crossed, and some of them with their mermaid fins up in the air instead of legs. It's, the, it's an identical poster. Yeah, and we all have that same pose on our Instagrams, on our Tumblrs, on our Facebooks from when we were 10. So, I mean, listen, the, to me, two wildly different things. H2O is a series, a brilliant series. No, I'm it's, sure they are two wildly different things. It's, you know, it's um, Australian for one, you know, like, you know, and Aquamarine is an iconic movie with JoJo and Emma Roberts. Um, and so I feel like, you know, to me, they're so distinctly different that I could, until you pointed it out, I never would have been like, oh, I understand the mix up because I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, they're, they're just different. Look at these two posters. I, no, I get it now. As a pea-brained boy, I get it that you that you couldn't figure it out. But for me, like I have such vivid memories of watching each of these and them being each distinct that I was just like I never would have connected those dots on my own. I would have been like, oh, the only through line is mermaids. So we were sick. We could not do Taylor's um, birthday episode. So I said, you know what? I'll make it up to you because I know that you'll never forgive me if we can't make up the birthday episode in some way. So how about this? I will subject myself. We will do a double feature. So coming in the near future, we are going to do an aquamarine and an H2O Just Add Water double feature episode. And I can't freaking wait. That is announcement number one. That's a bit of housekeeping number one. A bit of housekeeping number two is that many folks know that are, uh, in the middle of the summer, this show went biweekly. It used to be a weekly show. 
Um, and then we kind of had to shift a little bit um, during the writers and actors strikes this year because we kind of didn't feel like our show, which is very celebratory of things from our childhood, um, totally uh, – it was best to serve its purpose in another way for a while during those strikes. Well, now that the strikes are over, we kept saying, when the strikes are over, we're going to go back weekly. When the strikes are over, we're going to go back weekly. Well, folks, the time has come. Um, we have squeezed in an episode here, um, not on our biweekly schedule, which we'll explain again in a minute. Then we're going to take a couple weeks off. And then in the new year, we are every Wednesday, we are back to weekly episodes of Y2Kins. And I'm very excited about that. I feel like, you know, this is, Patrick and I have been very open about the fact that this is probably our favorite thing to film, um, or record, rather, um, and, you know, we love our snacks of the week, which we have an exciting one today, um, but, yeah, we're just, we're just very excited to get back to weekly episodes. And we've also spent that time banking some episodes, so folks that have listened to this show historically know that we used to, um trade-off. I would pick one week, Taylor would pick another week, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, we've had some time off, and so we've we've banked some movies, we've banked some shows, some ideas, some snacks, of course. And so there's going to be a couple weeks where we say, we don't know what next week's episode is yet. It's going to be a surprise for you as well as well for us because, you know, we kind of just didn't know what order we're going to be releasing them in. But they will be new episodes, no reruns. They will be weekly. We're going to have a new series um, in there as well. And we're going to be back to the Y2 Kids of old. Uh, finally, we've been itching to get back to it. And um, we're very excited. But without further ado, we are creeping up to the holidays here. And we wanted to get in the holiday spirit. So we have an exciting episode to get into. We do. So um, many folks know that we are we are um, Baltimore-based. Uh, we are in uh, the DMV. And so um, when we found out that the BNO Railroad Museum, which is very close to where we live, did a Polar Express experience, which you know because you clicked on the title of this episode. We thought we have to go, and the folks at the BNO were, were great and hooked us up, and so we want to talk a little bit about their Polar Express train ride, our experience on it, and then, of course, the 2004 Polar Express movie, which is one of your favorites. Yes, I feel like I need to mention a little bit about my history with the movie before we get into the train ride, um, and that is just that like I have always loved the Polar Express. Apologies if you can hear the helicopter outside, um, but I always loved the Polar Express. We're Baltimore based. Yeah, exactly. Um, I always loved this movie. Um, I always thought it was like so whimsical and so fantastic in like a very literal sense. Um, and I went many years not watching it. I didn't have it on DVD or anything. Um, obviously, it wasn't like back in theaters for any reason. But I would watch it a ton when I was little, like at school, at school parties, at you know whatever. And I always loved. It, and then I just didn't watch it for a very, very long time, but it always held a really special place in my heart. And then I watched it in what year was it? I guess like 2021. Your mom came to visit. No, we saw it in 2020. It was back when movie theaters were open, but no one was going. And so we got a like a private screening of Polar Express. Okay, so um, we uh, we went to go see it on the big screen. It was a lot different than I imagined, uh -huh. but it, I still, I still, even as like kooky as it is, and it is kooky, and we will get into it, um, and like recognizing that from an adult perspective, I still just have like such 
whimsy attached to it and I just like get so excited about it so um I have always wanted to do one of these Polar Express train rides I'm so excited that we could do it at the BNO here in Baltimore um when we visited Patrick's grandparents in Arizona um several summers ago we went on like a Grand Canyon train ride in the middle of summer and his grandparents were like yeah they also do a train ride a Polar Express train ride on this route um and we like passed by all the sets that were you know blazing in the in the 116 degree <laughs> sun um but I was like that's so cool because this I mean that train was huge and grand and old and like you know like it was like all it's the Grand Canyon yeah, Railroad yeah it's like you know it's like very bougie very elaborate you know like they have lounges and whatever and I was like this this is a Polar Express train if I've ever seen one. Um, but little did I know, here in Baltimore, we would have a decked out train with lots of snow and presents uh, awaiting us. We're going to talk about it all in a second. I want to do a bit of a breakdown. Um, before we start, though, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer, which is um, I don't know how many people our age, uh, because you know our demographic is obviously a very specific age range. It's our age. How many people our age have children that they want to take to the Polar Express? But you might, you could. Maybe you have siblings. Maybe you're part of a family that's going to go on, on a Polar Express train ride. So I will say, parents or other folks um, with children, if you're like listening to this with children in the car, you know, maybe save this episode for later. We're happy, uh, you know, for you to put it down for a while and, and revisit us. Um, in a couple days. We'll just be revealing some secrets about Santa that we wouldn't want to spoil for the little one. Of course, of course. And it's not like we are going to ruin the experience in any way. Um, but we just want we want to really just give you an idea of how it all works. Um, and so you kind of know what to expect. I think that I always like that kind of thing. Like, I am a big Yelp review reader. I'm a big Google reviews reader. Like, I just kind of like to know, like, where am I going to park? How long is it going to be? You know, do I need, like, uh, you can't go to the bathroom on the train. That's an important thing to know. Like, just that kind of stuff. Um, and so I would I would say, um, you know, uh, save it for when, when you have some alone time. Yes. But we have to start, as always, I feel like I said we were starting five times in this episode, but we have to start with our snack of the week. There's only one snack of the week for the Polar Express. A beverageino of the week, if you will. <laughs> it's, of course, hot, hot. Hot chocolate. <laughs> we've only got one rule. Never, ever let it cool, as ours has been sitting here for about 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and it's very cold, actually. Um, actually, no, not quite. So we have Swiss Miss because, of course. Um, because we were middle class. Middle class growing up. Uh, I remember, actually, my mom bought me a giant tub of the Starbucks hot chocolate mix. It was huge. And I remember it was really expensive. I mean, like, it's probably cheap now, but, like, back at the time, it was, like, a Costco-sized giant tub and I was like oh yeah like I am going to be the coolest friend with the bougiest hot chocolate and it freaking sucked <laughs> it was so bitter and not good and I hated it so much and it sat in our pantry for years before my mom was like can I can I throw it out and I was like yeah I'm a Swiss Miss gal hate to be a buzzkill but you are dangerously close okay. to spilling so I would say uh, go for it on the Swiss Miss so they serve you hot chocolate on the Polar Express we're going to talk about that um in a minute yum it's swiss miss we also in case you're curious we were um both of us i came to this discovery right before we started filming uh both of us were milk with our swiss miss people 
I know a lot of people, and, like, when you're mass serving it as well, you just do hot water in Swiss Miss, and it's fine, but my mom was always a proponent for milk, making it a little more rich and creamy, so your mom was the same. I it was is also rich. It is creamy. It is rich and creamy. Yeah. Um. Is this I the also. Milk chocolate one? Uh. No. This is. This is. Sorry. This is the um like mini marshmallow ones. Although I put big kind of jumbo which marshmallows on top. Which that's the best part is when they melt. That's no. 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 I like. I like. I want the mini marshmallows to like. Like uh, I want to kind of eat them a little bit. No. 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 I like when they get all melty. So this is perfect for me. Um, I, my mom always got the jumbo marshmallows and I was, you know, reflecting before this, this, uh, before we started recording this episode and I was making this hot chocolate and I was thinking to myself, marshmallows have really good memories attached to them for me. I don't know if this is a unique experience, but I, we did not just keep marshmallows around. If you bought marshmallows, they were to be shared. Okay. They were to be shared with a group of friends at a bonfire. They were to be shared with your class making hot cocoa. They were to be shared with your friends making hot cocoa. I feel like marshmallows represent community. <laughs> they represent what? friendship. I know that sounds silly, but I'm serious. Like, all of my, my marshmallow memories, they're not... Or like Chubby Bunny with friends. You remember the Chubby Bunny challenge? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. You don't know what Chubby Bunny is? Nope. They they talked about it in the in Daniel Radcliffe's uh, in the documentary we oh, just watched. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chubby Bunny, if you don't know, was a challenge where you would put a marshmallow in your mouth, a jumbo marshmallow. You would say Chubby Bunny, and then you would all go around and do that until people like could not have any more marshmallows, and you would see who could fit the most in their cheeks while still saying Chubby Bunny. And if you could no longer say Chubby Bunny, you lost, and you had to spit them out. Um, I played that with my friends, so I just feel like marshmallows are just like kind of a joyous treat. A, a merry treat, if you will. Sure, I hear you. I do hear you. Um, I Swiss Miss like it's it's a holiday staple. It's a it's a pantry staple. I do have to say, Swiss Miss is nostalgic. I am gonna do a little plug here. Not that it matters to me at all. Um, but Trader Joe's. You can't say that we're sponsored by Swiss Miss. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, Trader Joe's has great hot chocolate. Uh, if you only go to Trader Joe's a couple times a year, fall and winter is where it's at for their specialty items. And let me tell you, the, their hot chocolate is incredible. They have a, um, a sipping, it's called a, like Italian sipping chocolate that you can get where you add your own sugar to it. If you are a fan of like true, rich, like high-end um, uh, hot chocolate, like that Trader Joe's sipping chocolate chocolate is phenomenal. Um, so just a little shout out there. If you if you aren't in the mood for Swiss Miss, you want to kind of upgrade your, your childhood <laughs> favorite, which I don't know why you would, but if you do, um, Trader Joe's is totally where it's at with that. Okay. Yeah, we're both going to be... <laughs> you get the, all that milk, you know, and... Uh... The white two kids, we can't handle milk the way we used to. I know. Usually we drink almond, but we're really uh, throwing it back to the old school with our dairy in this. Um, so uh, let's talk about the Polar Express train ride at the B&O Railroad Museum. Yes. So um, you, we parked. We got there. We waited in line with a lot of very excited children. I'm, I'm going to stop you already. I'm okay. sorry. I hate to cut you off. The, you don't park at the museum. You have to be they, – they give you, like, a different parking lot. You have to make sure that you park in that lot. But once you get near, there's a bunch of signs. It's really easy. You know, they'll line you up. And then, yes, you get in line. And um, tons of families. We went, like, right after school time on a weekday. I mean, it was, it was the weekend now because it was a Friday afternoon. But, like, school had recently let out. And 
I overheard a bunch of families saying, like, we didn't go to school today. Or, like, we, I don't know, maybe they got out of school early or something. Because, I mean, one dad was, like, saying to a kid, like, what were you guys doing? And he was like, we were watching Megamind. Um, so, obviously, people are kind of building their days and weekends and holiday seasons a, a certain degree around the Polar Express. We were saying on the train ride, like, you know, are you a Nutcracker family? Are you a Christmas Carol family? Are you a Polar Express family? And there were a lot of Polar Express families on our train. Yeah, I I feel like I allude to this all the time on the podcast. I work at a cultural institution that does performances that I think – Patrick was like, I think you used to just say on the podcast, but I'm just not going to. Um, if you want to find it, you can probably find it. But I work at a culture, cultural institution that does performances, and our big thing is a Christmas carol. We've been doing it for over 40 years. It's a huge deal. And so – through working there and through working in marketing for this, you know, this this staple in, in D.C., I feel like I've become really obsessed with the idea of, like, Christmas tradition and tradition in general. And, like, what is the thing that, that you feel like, you know, your Christmas spirit can't get kicked off until you do X, Y, and Z. But it's hard. I, a lot of things buy for your time. You know, you have work. You have school. You have travel. You have, you know, visiting family. You have family visiting you. Like you It's have... like you want to do 50 things and you've got three weeks. Yeah. And so. And <laughs> Which so... is why you have to go on a Friday afternoon and, like, skip school a little bit because, like, we got to go. Exactly. And so you know I, I i really am am fascinated by this idea of like what is the thing that you choose to be the pillar of your family holiday experience for a lot of the people i interact with on a daily basis that is a christmas girl and i think that that's really fantastic um and i was watching these kids and going like oh I can see how for some of these families, this is the holiday experience. This is what they choose to come back year after year for. And, and, and I just, that was like so special to see. And um, I just want to make it clear as a teacher, I am a teacher myself. I 100% condone uh, skipping school and going to the Polar Express. Like the math, it can be made up. Like you can read chapter three at home. If you have to do the, the time that cuts into school time a little bit, do it. Absolutely. I was a kindergarten teacher and yes, you know, a lot of people, a lot of parents or, you know, you know, adults will say like, what do they even learn in kindergarten? Nothing valuable. Of course they learn valuable things. It couldn't be any less true. Yeah, yeah, it couldn't be any less true. (laughs) But I also think that school is really hard. Kids are five years old going to school for seven and a half hours. You get a, a full time job at five years old. Yes, exactly. And and it's not, you know, like yeah, sure you get an extra long recess and you know, you get lunch, but it is busy. It is busy and you learn a lot and it's crammed in and it's tiring. I would watch my kids walk into school so excited for the day and leave completely exhausted. It is okay. Kids' mental health matters too. And if that means taking them out of school an hour early or taking a Friday off to go and experience something together as a family, like I, I am also a total proponent of that. So you check in and uh, you're lined up by there, – there's certain levels of tiers of tickets that which all come with their own perks, which you can find on the BNO website. And um, you check in at your table. You get your wristband. And then there's kind of just some time where you, you can buy some concessions – there's like a DJ and like a little bit of a dance floor. There's one kid who was like break dance. Oh my gosh, I, this kid was like doing like a, the worm. He was break dancing. He was an icon, really. <laughs> um, but really, it's it's kind of you're you're getting lined up and kind of ready for the experience. There are crafts and yeah, you know there, fun there things to do. Different things to do when you get there, but but um, it eventually all kind of leads down this sort of hallway. I don't know how else to put it, and and you get in line. 
And then the show starts. And by show starts, I mean it's a show, okay? This is not like we put you on a train and we throw some hot chocolate in your face. They they have actors. They are like the actors, dancers. They are doing a show from the beginning. You get in line. On a giant projector, they show um, some opening scenes from the movie, which we're going to talk a little, a little bit about later. Um, and then the movie, like, comes to life. The train that you're st- standing next to, because it's a museum, you just kind of assume that there, I mean, there are trains all over the place, you know. Kind of just assume that it's dormant, I don't know, or that it's just there. I mean, it's parked inside. It's clearly not going anywhere. Right. But then it rumbles up, and I, I don't know exactly how that works. I'm not a train guy. But it rumbles up and the steam shoots out and like all aboard the Polar Express. And we might not be train people. We are theater people. Patrick yeah. and I have traditional like do de- we have degrees in theater. Yes. We know how theater works. Theater works. And we were watching this performance going, where is the spotlight? I could not operator? find the spot to save my Me life. Me neither. And like <laughs> we know these things. We know where to look. We know how the sausage gets made. And we were like, this is Christmas magic happening yes. literally in front of us. Like even for adults, we were like, you know where is the smoke coming from like how where are the speakers to make the literal entire place rumble even though this train is clearly not running like it was fantastic and i mean that in a literal sense like it was like like like, yeah fantastical it was like literally like awesome like it was like it induced awe like i you know you have this actor who looks just like tom hanks okay and he sounds just like him too (laughs) and when he first so the conductor kind of gets off the train he goes all aboard and I thought he was lip syncing for a second. I think you did too. I thought yes. he was lip syncing because they had just shown clips from the movie, and I thought maybe they it's, kept the audio in or something. Yeah, when when Patrick says the, the movie comes to life, he means that literally because you you show the scene, and the scene, if you're curious and you're really familiar with the Polar Express, is uh, essentially when um, the when Hero Boy is like um, he is. His, he's listening, he's kind of spying on his parents who are, you know, talking about, or they're talking to his little sister about how, like, the boys kind of ruined Christmas for her and kind of told her that Santa isn't real because he's starting to not believe it. And then he's, like, laying in bed and his parents are sad that he's kind of getting too old to experience the magic of Christmas. And then it's in that moment in the movie that the train arrives and, and he, you know, goes on this so he, he looks out his window and sees the train arriving. And then, like, the movie stops and then... That it sort of you know you sort of turn to the train that's in the in the museum and suddenly like actors appear like literally out of thin air <laughs> because you're watching this movie like obviously that's not true but it's like I did not notice them standing there like I did yeah. not notice them preparing to do a scene it's just like all of a sudden here are actors and they are in this movie it's like it really is like um like you know, book to movie to life. Like, it was, like, really seamless. The guy sounds so much like Tom Hanks, who has a very distinct voice that I, we thought he was lip-syncing for a second. And then I, I don't know how I caught on, but I was like, no, he's not. He's saying that. I think maybe he just, like, took a breath that I could hear in the mic or something. But um, I was like, oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah, so um, really incredible. And they just do, like, a quick little moment where he goes, like, you know, are there other boys and girls excited to go on the Polar Express? And they're like, yeah. And people lose their shit. Yes. And we, Patrick and I kept exchanging glances. Like, obviously, we're adults, but we're watching these children going, like, oh, this is awesome for them. Like, this is a core it's memory awesome for, me. for sure. Like, yeah, it's awesome for us, but, like, it is We know how the sausage are, gets made. Exactly. We are, like, watching, like, literal children next to us whose, like, minds have just been blown, and they are going to hyperfixate on trains in the Polar Express for years to come because of this. So then you you can you get um you know you're queued up you get on the Polar Express and um, first you have to pass by the hobo. 
They kept saying, watch out for the hobo. Watch out for the hobo. And we were like, and the hobo. And then right before I saw the guy, the actor, I was like, oh, the guy on the top of the train in the fight. I for- I had forgotten. And then I saw him and I was like, oh, okay. You okay. do have to, you do have to kind of level with us, though, for a second. We live in Baltimore and we didn't know exactly what they were referring to instantly because I, I remember and like, like the word hobo, like yeah, nobody says hobo anymore. Exactly. No one says hobo anymore. And I also just like, don't remember the character's name being hobo. Like I remember him being an unhoused person, there, but I don't remember. There him are being no like, character names in this movie. It is conductor, hero boy, hobo. I mean, Santa's the only guy with a name because he's Santa. Yeah. So like, because of that, they don't call him hobo in the movie. I don't think. I mean, so you're not, I mean, I maybe know. they do, but like you just your eyes gloss over whatever with they all just the say other. this friggin hobo they don't go like hey hobo come here yeah they don't that's not his name <laughs> like for all intents and purposes so so they say like watch out for the hobo and we're going like huh um and then we are met by a jolly old chap <laughs> who's also very disgruntled obviously he's acting and he's larger than life and and the kids are eating it up what okay i was thinking about this it is amazing how many christmas things are scary like a Christmas Carol, you know, it is a ghost story of Christmas. If you really lead into that, that shit is scary. The ghost of Christmas yet to come is the Grim Reaper, essentially. You know, this guy, he's freaky. <laughs> the Grinch is scary. Like, there are a number of Christmas things. Where, like, there's a lot of, like, kinder trauma coming into play. This movie is scary. They almost <laughs> die, like, ten times. Well, the animation is scary, but we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, so we get on the, we get on the train, and... Um, Everybody's so sweet. Everybody's so nice. And the, the conductor hands you your, your ticket and you get on. And then um, what do they do? They do the hot, hot chocolate. We get some dancing chefs. And they're great. Everyone is so nice. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this with all the other kind of things uh, in a little bit. But just to kind of touch on, um, again, Patrick and I went solo. We did not go with family or other children. We don't have, like, you know, children in our family that live nearby, although we totally would bring them if they were closer. Um, That said, like, we are two adults going on this experience. We did not get the same care and attention as the families did, and we shouldn't. Like, Yeah, we, we were so thrilled. Like, they gave us all of our stuff, and they were so – like, they didn't dismiss us in any way. We'll talk about this with Santa – you know in a second but it was like we were like focus on the kids like get do the performance to the children there was a clear unspoken but uh, with the utmost respect like you know transfer of information that was just like you're adults you you know we're here for the kids we're glad that you're here like they were very respectful they indulged us just enough to be incredibly courteous but like the focus was on the kids so um you know like and we and we loved that we don't we don't need to be you know dawdled and you know like you know treated like one of the children just do that to the kids whose memories are being made um and so you know we we were very appreciative of that and that it wasn't like um there was uncertainty it was just so seamless and it was just like a really really great experience so i can't say enough like i totally recommend this even if you are just two adults looking for a, a good way to get into the holiday spirit so they do the dancing chefs and we got our hot 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 chocolate we get a cookie and then we were like we, we said monogram napkins like i mean it's <laughs> just oh you get did you mention our golden ticket i did okay you get your golden ticket which is like so cool they, there's clearly like no expense spared when it comes to like just like the little details here and um the train we, we you know they gave us the hot chocolate they gave us the cookie the train didn't move for long enough that we were like does the 
train move? Or are we just kind of imagining? But then, no, it rumbles up, and you start going somewhere. And they have, you know, fogged up the windows, iced up the windows, whatever you want to call it. So you can't see outside. So it's just like a warm train, and it's rumbling, and you've got your hot cocoa. And then on the way, they, with these giant books, I've never seen these giant books before. Yeah, they, they have them for, like, teachers and stuff. I'm sure they do, but yeah. But I, I, just, I don't think I've ever seen one before. These giant, you know, probably two-foot-long yeah. books. Um, and, you know, with, you know, four or five people down the aisle of the train, they play a recording of, of the story. And you get to look at all the pictures. And the pictures in the original book, I, I want to look up the guys' name because I want to give them credit, are these paintings, they are gorgeous. They are absolutely beautiful. I do feel like I want to spend one more second on the the performances and say that they were great. Like, obviously, they're not going to, like, flip hot chocolate over your head like in the movie. But they do. <laughs> they, they get a lot. They get away with a lot in the movie because of the CG. Of course. Of course. Like, you know, there's only, you know, they're not going to physically step on your table and start dancing. And you have to, like, remove your hot chocolate quickly. But I want to give credit where credit is due and say, like, the performance that they do, like, they do as much as they can given the actual confinement of a train, an old style train with a very limited room. Uh, it's a mixed age cast. So like one of the actors probably couldn't have been more than like 13 and she like stood up on chairs and like there was like a height level to it. And like there was, it, the performance was so fun. Okay. My mind is being blown right here, right now. Okay. I went on the Polar Express Wikipedia page because I want to give credit to the um, artist it's the same guy. The guy who wrote it also illustrated it. His name is Chris Van Allsburg. So clearly this alone shows that he's a genius, okay, because the story's so great. And I'm going to talk about the movie, and I'm going to bitch a little bit about the movie later, but, but the, the story I, is beautiful. I did not – so Patrick bought me the, like, children's book. I mean, I, that seems dismissive. I mean, he brought me he bought me a beautiful copy of the children's book because yeah, it's it, it like just, a collector's edition. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he bought me a beautiful collector's edition copy of the children's book several years ago for Christmas. I'm going to be honest. I haven't opened it up. We put it on display every year. But yeah, it's a decoration. We don't just sit around and read children's books, you know. I think I, I think actually maybe I brought it into school once when I was teaching, but I could be wrong. Um, but, you know, he bought me that. But, like, I, I'm not super familiar with the story because I haven't probably read the story in, in forever. But listening to it, I feel like – you know, the story is great. Like, I can I can see how the Polar Express, even with the movie having its own qualms, which, again, we will get into, um, I can see how it's just become a cultural phenomenon. Because something about it, something about the images in play with the way that it is written, in play with the performances that we see, you know, in the movie, like, everything comes together to just literally exude coziness. It is beautiful. Here's the catch. It's the same guy who wrote and illustrated Jumanji. <gasps> My favorite. So this guy, I mean, he's, he's sitting on royalties that are just unbelievable. Yeah, this guy's wealthy. <laughs> he does not have to work, and yet he chose to give us the Polar Express. <laughs> uh, well, I think he did have to work when he made the Polar well, Express. Yeah, that's true. I guess Jumanji started running out. So what's next? Uh, 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 a nice beach house. Um, yeah. But yeah, they, they, you know, you sort of get the story read to you with these giant books. You get to, you know, they, you don't, you only get to see it half the time because they got to show the other half of the aisle or whatever. And, and, but that, you know, that's fine. Like there are a lot of kids, like they're still munching on their cookies. They're still drinking their cocoa. It's just like good vibes. And also I, we, we didn't mention so many people show up in PJs. They show up in the blue robes. 
we saw like a whole Grinch family, and it says on the website in the FAQ like we encourage the PJs, and people read that and they, you know, they uh, they were off and running. That's another reason that I'm like pretty positive that people must have left school early because we showed up at uh three fifty ish. Most schools get out around three to three thirty. Um, in Baltimore. And so like, you're not going home, putting on your PJs as a family and then getting back to the BNO probably, unless I guess you live right there. But a lot of these families probably didn't. Um, and so I, you know, cause Baltimore, you know, I was wondering if like a Friday afternoon before I was like, I wonder if it's like, are we going to be on the, like the adult train or the old folks or something like, no, it was families. Yeah. And I, I, I had the same thought. I was like, you know, maybe there will be more just like kind of solo people than I thought, but no, it was all families, but they clearly just, they went like, this is what's available, which I, I gotta be honest, guys, as much as I want to recommend this particular experience to you, they're booked. I mean, like I, I can't say that there are zillions of tickets left. Uh, this Friday night was, or this Friday evening, right after school was kind of a, an opportunity for us to go. But obviously we know not all of you are listening from Baltimore. There are these experience every everywhere um we just we really recommend this experience we just happen to do it at the bno uh aside from friday fridays they like the weekends are completely sold out except for their last two days they have a monday as of this recording they have a monday and a tuesday december 18th and 19th those you can still buy tickets for um so it is not it's not completely sold out um but it is you know a monday right after school it is a tuesday right after school um yeah so we uh, uh the, the train is rumbling and then you get to the north pole and then what's going to happen at the North Pole? You see Santa. Santa Claus joins the train. Yes. And the kids are so excited. You also get a bell. Or rather, Santa gives you a bell. Santa goes around. He gives everybody a gold bell. A nice gold bell. It is heavy. It's silver. Oh, sorry, silver. That's important to the story. Sorry, sorry. And I do want to – I hope we're not saying something we shouldn't say. The website says children receive a silver bell. We – everybody on our train received one. I don't know if that's because our train was not completely full. Um, like our car – other cars were, but I think we were kind of on the last car and we weren't completely full. We know that children will get one. Yes, children will get one. We just also happened to get one, which I was ecstatic about because, again, I know that I am not a kid, but I am a kid at heart, and I was definitely a kid at heart during this experience because I just love this 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 kind of – franchise this world so much um and so i you know i it's like a nice bell it like has the perfect ring i know that that sounds silly but it is not go get it it is not just like a, a a bell from michael's that you know you put on a arts and craft or something like it sounds just like the movie and it like actually made my heart grow like in in size it's like, like the, the grinch, the grinch the, my heart grew three sizes a day she's gonna go get it it's, it's just in the other room uh, yeah, but you get a bell, and, and uh, which is like when you're a kid and Santa gives you a silver bell the way that he does in the movie, holy shit. I mean, like, this is that's the cream of the crowd. This is as good as it gets. All right, so let's ring it. I'll ring it a little far from the, from the mic so that you can hear it. You have to get it just perfectly. I'm not like a bell connoisseur. I can't, like, I'm bad at doing it. I, I got it early. Like, right? Like, you're in the movie. <laughs> Like, it was incredible. I was just, like, so, like, you know, uh, you know, there's a part of you that goes, like, man, I just got off work after a long day, and now I'm on a train with, like, a thousand ringing bells right now. I'm going to have a headache. But you also don't, because it's just, like, 
freaking magic and you're just really <laughs> excited um and i was like ringing the bell all the way home like i'm gonna put it on my dog with this christmas sweater like i i was just so that was like the greatest souvenir i could have gotten and um santa comes up and down the ice he gives you the bell he offers to take pictures with everybody and this is what we were hinting towards earlier you know the santa's helper said, do you want a picture of Santa to us? And we were like, we, we're okay. <laughs> you know, We don't want to be dismissive to Santa. We love you, Santa. Santa. Santa patted me on the back, and I did feel kind of Santa-ly loved. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, no, he should – like the train is eventually going to reach the station, and he should spend more time with the kids. And so um, – but, you know, he stops and yeah. – let's also be clear. Our final car was not completely full, and so I think maybe he did get a little extra beat with everyone. He might just, – just be honest, he might be a little – Stretch for time Stretch, and uh, otherwise. Um, but with, with our experience, he got the time to, to snap a picture with everybody, and, and everybody was very – and, you know, I mean, when you're a Santa, you, you uh, when, when Santa visits the train, Santa knows what to, to expect, right? Children are just going to randomly jump out of their seats and hug him, and um, Santa was awesome. Yeah, he was really, really great. And it was like – also, uh, listen, I, I – you know – I worked at a I, I worked at an elementary school where our gym teacher was Santa, okay, and our drama teacher. They both were Santa at different times, <laughs> even though they were, even though one is like six foot five and lanky, and one is like five foot nine and bulky. Like you know, you just you get it. You, you know, you get the vibes. Um, and I've seen I that means I've seen some cheap Santa costumes. Okay, I've seen Santa's costume rise to his calves um because the drama teacher is so tall so like i've seen cheap santas is what i'm trying to say this was not a cheap santa this was a great santa it's not like he had some some big fake you know uh like you know plasticky looking um uh beard or like you know that looks like felt his outfit like this was a nice santa and i know that that seems like silly to mention but it goes a long way it's what the bno has done so skillfully is in you know and this can't be cheap and I know this because again I work in the world of theater and I I, I understand how much it costs to make a, a grand production and we also have to acknowledge tickets to this are not cheap if you want to take a big family it's it's gonna cost you a little bit we just have to be honest but all of this stuff costs money you know like they they're not making this price out of thin air they've got to rumble the train they've got to give you your cookie you know if you're in the gold seats you get uh like a, a souvenir mug they've got to make it snow they like have to order the napkins yeah they like have to stuff pay. costs money it's so it's you know you're gonna you're gonna pay for the full experience you're not getting ripped off they have to pay a ton of actors like you know it is a big production even though it is an immersive production and you know maybe you think oh well you know how do you how do you do like a two-hour play on stage with a zillion set changes and then you all you have to do is decorate this train with some fake presents like you know it's it's very um you know it's very clear with the time and care that's put into this Im truly immersive experience that they're not skimping you again like that 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 price tag does not come from nowhere. You have to order all those napkins. You have to order all those mugs. You have to order all those bells. And you have to get the nice bell because it has to sound like the movie or else it'll ruin the experience. And, you know, you have to pay people to put lights on every square inch of everything. Like, it is, it is 
it takes a lot of time. It is an experience, and again, of just how the sausage gets made. When you are a institution that does a sort of annual thing, eventually it starts paying for itself because eventually you have all the lights and you have, you know, you've bought napkins. And we're not sure how long they've been doing it. Yeah, we're not sure, but you know, eventually, and I don't mean this particular experience, but just experiences in general. Again, we've been doing, you know, Christmas Carol where I work for over 40 years. Eventually it does start paying for itself and it just brings in the money. But that said, those things do cost money up front, and they do have yearly expenses, you know, paying the actors, et cetera. So, um, yes, it is a little bit of a, of a you know, um, uh, a bigger – it's a bigger spend, but I, I think it's totally worth it. And that's to say, like, Patrick and I also didn't even do half the things. You know, we didn't, you know, do – we didn't make snowflakes, and we didn't, you know, uh, you know – uh, uh, draw a picture of Santa and whatever. We didn't even do half of those things that are designed for the kids. If you were a child and you were getting your true bang for your buck and you were actually going to set aside several hours to stay in this area and, and continue doing all the arts and craft things, I mean, totally worth it. And I also think this is something that we were talking about um, on the train. Like, I think it's important to acknowledge that these Christmas things are expensive. And that is one reason why, like, you know, everyone's broke in the month of January is because you do all the presents and you do all the events. And like, that's how we were talking about this on the train. That's how you become a Nutcracker family or a Christmas Carol family or a Polar Express family or whatever, you know, a Grinchmas family, whatever, because you have to choose, you know, most families have to choose. And that's just, you know, the honest truth. And, you know, one thing we were talking about is like, you can't be a Nutcracker family if your kid can't sit in the seat. You know, you can't be a Christmas Carol family if it's going to be too spooky for your kid. You can be a Polar Express family because it's interactive. You can be loud. You can sing along with us. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, you can just throw a temper tantrum and that's fine. Obviously, you know, you, there's some parenting involved here, right? But, like, the kid can squirm. The kid can stand up in the seat. You know, the kid can take too long to eat his cookie. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's it's just kind of about the experience. And that's when it really, like, I they confused me so terribly when we got, when we got back. Because when you get back... You arrive at the North Pole, and it pulled into the same damn track that it it pulled into when Literally you left. Literally the exact same place. It doesn't even take you two feet farther than where you came in. But we, they like changed the like the uh, queue, and like re-angle it you into another building, and that's the North Pole. And we were, and and also it's it's important to say that because we went at four o'clock in the afternoon, we got on the train and it was light outside, and we got off the train and it was dark outside because by this time it's you know five five thirty or whatever, and um, we were like, where the hell are we? I was like, okay, okay, we have to get back on the train to go back, like okay, because we're we're not where we were, and we Patrick and I were like, first of all, so there's this gorgeous, I cannot overstate gorgeous giant rotunda that atrium i don't know what they call this building yeah atrium i think it's a rotunda it's like you know it's um i'll see if there's some on their website i mean the 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 ceiling is a zillion feet high it is gorgeous when you get onto the train the doors to the rotunda are shut yes it is just a building you don't look at it you're looking at the hobo who's talking to you you're looking at the <laughs> yeah, gold you you're, you're looking at the golden ticket you're looking at the conductor you're looking at the train it's called the roundhouse the roundhouse oh that makes sense because you know the train's got to turn yeah. Yeah, yeah 
And so we know, know nothing about train. No. There are train people listening to this right now that are just appalled. Yes. Um. You know. So you are you are focused on a zillion of other things, and they do that very tactfully. So when you leave, and they say we are at the North Pole, look for the snow, and you are immediately shot out into a. And they say so many times view. it always snows at the North Pole, and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, and I was like, are we going to go out? And, like, because I was like, there's no, there was no snow on the ground when we got there. And, you know, just, again, doing that kind of deducive math of, like, well, if they have another one of these in, you know, 45 minutes, well, then they're clearly not going to shoot out fake snow because then it would be on the grass and then it would sit on the grass. And so, like, I'm trying to, like, figure out what is going on. You get shot out. And I think it's the, also a testament to the fact that we couldn't figure it out. Yeah. The doors to the rotunda, I'm just going to call it that, the roundhouse. It's called the uh, roundhouse. Okay, the roundhouse, <laughs> are now open. And it is the most magnificent sight. And little um, soap bubbles that look like snow are fluttering by you. And you are walking through a gorgeous lit up um, uh, archway. It's like a candy cane lane. With like a 50 foot Christmas tree in the middle. I mean, every detail is perfect. You have pictures with Santa in front of the Santa's tree, there. but on the other side of the tree, it opens up. You can go inside the Christmas tree. It doesn't affect who's taking a picture in front of the tree because it's not open on that side. So families can take pictures with the tree on all sides if they don't want to pay for the picture with Santa, or you can go inside and take a picture. And it doesn't matter if people are talking and yelling and screaming in the tree because it won't affect Santa. And, like, every single detail, like, I, again. And they've got more concessions. They've got, um, like, Build your own Santa beards or something, some kind of craft. I got that wrong, but there's some kind of craft. There's like a. I think it's a, a snowflake there's, builder. There's like a, a, a train, model, a model train, train city. Christmas city. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like every detail is perfect. Not to mention, they have things that are just like normally on display, on, oh, sorry, uh, normally on display in that roundhouse area. They have trains parked with their, you know, nice placards and, you know, to learn about them. Like if. If your kid likes trains, I mean, done. Like, yeah, take them. Sorry, you're never going to be a Nutcracker fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're like, it's over. Um, e- but even if your kid doesn't like trains or that's not like a hyperfixation, which I know it is with a lot of kids, um, they will be in awe at the literal trains that are sitting around you. I mean, it is beautiful. If I wasn't already a diehard fan of this experience, the Roundhouse slash the North Pole seals the deal. It is amazing. Uh, and then that's that's it. I mean, I, I don't say that's it, uh, but like that's the end of the experience. You can take a photo with Santa if you want. You know, it's sort of traditional mall style. Um, you and the d- line you do the arts was and very short. Yeah, I, I I did think that our car was closest to the North Pole, so I think we kind of got a. I don't know how long the line became. Um, and we also were not a completely sold out train, but there's like three ish trains every night. I mean, it might be might I don't think it's any more than that, but there's three trains a day. Like there's. Um, there's going to be a lot of people coming through here. So there, it's a very respectable Santa line. I have stood, and I'm sure we all have, in two-plus-hour Santa lines at the mall. This did not look like a two-plus-hour Santa they line. They don't have the room for it to be that long. No. Like, there's no, like, way to make a queue. It's not like – if you anticipate a I mean, there's, line – There's a little zigzag back and forth. Yeah, but, like, if you anticipate a line, like, that zigzag would be huge. Like, it just would. And it wasn't, like – you can't even see where that zigzag would, like, wild, wildly, like – um you know, disjoint the makeup of the room. Like, it's just, like, there will be some people waiting, but, like, it, it can't be, you know, too many. You know, you're not going to spend your whole evening standing in line for Santa. So we want to say again, thank you so much to the folks at the BNO for making this happen. And we, it really, like, I, I'm not just trying to, like, 
uh, you know, just talk it up because we got a chance to do it. It really is awesome. Uh, I just kept being like, that was so magical. Like when you're a kid, if, if, if I saw it through the lens of, of a child's eyes, um, it is foolproof. I never would have stopped talking about it. I don't think I'm going to stop talking about it now. Um, you know, we're very grateful to do really cool things for this podcast. Um, and you know, but we'll always give you the authentic thing. And the authentic thing here is just, it was truly, truly wonderful. And so magical really is the only word to describe it. Um, I have always wanted to do something like this and it exceeded my expectations. It is important to note that it is the Polar Express, the 2004 movie, right? Yes, they read you the book, but like, the, there's the Tom Hanks conductor, there's the boy in the blue robe, there's the hobo, there's the dancing chefs. It is the movie. And that was one of the reasons why we thought we could talk about it on Why Two Kids. It's because although it's a book from the 80s and it's a movie that still people watch, it's a movie that came out when we were seven years old. And um, it was a great time for us. And I, I told you this last night. I remember being, I, I want to say I was in third grade, maybe second grade. And the grade below me, was like reading the story, did a Polar Express like thing with the lockers in the hallway, and then went and saw the movie in their p- pajamas. And I was like, damn, I wish I was in second grade right now. Like, that looks dumb. And as soon as you said that, it like transported me back to like 2006. I, because I, I remember my grade did 2004. No, I'm just saying like maybe oh. the two years after Oh, sure, 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 yeah. sure, sure. I got you. Um, my grade did The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That was like our thing. A classic too, yeah. you know. Um, we love evangelical. Yeah, we, um, <laughs> we love conditioning. When you're a kid, you just didn't know, did you? I know. I actually, I have not watched it's the most it. clear Jesus story of all time. Yeah, I actually have not watched it since I like discovered that. It's also like three hours long. Yeah, but I kind of want to rewatch it. I feel like I remember lo- loving the movie as a kid. Also, just so fantastic. Um, and you know, I I I remember it. I remember like wanting. We we'll have to do this actually for Y two Kids one day. I now I'm getting excited. Uh, like you know, Turkish delights. Like I wanted a oh. Turkish delight so bad you ever seen the bbc like miniseries i'm familiar with it but i don't mr and mrs beaver are like in full they're like adults in full beaver costumes like they're like six feet tall beavers it's very weird that is bizarre anyway um so it's like uh we want to talk a little bit about the movie well i want to just quickly speak on the school thing once you once you brought up the school, it, like my brain kind of cracked in half, and I realized, you know, a huge piece of this that I think I had just kind of like had got gotten lost in memory, and that is, I I started thinking to myself like, when was I watching this movie? I don't think I saw it in theaters. Didn't have it on home video. Where was I watching it? Of course, I was watching it at school every yeah. year. It was a school movie for me. When I think about like. I, I know that I was doing those same, same things. I was sitting on the carpet. I was listening to the book. I was in my pajamas, and I was watching the Polar Express at school on a projector. Like, that is what I was doing. And so as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, of course. Like, I remember – um, this is like a, I hope that, I don't know if schools still do this. I think they do. Cause I think you've mentioned that your school did it, um, like a couple years ago. 
Um, but when I was in, like, middle school, when you got kind of old enough to, like, make your own decisions and, like, you know, walk through the halls by yourself, um, what they would do is they would have, like, this room is going to be the board game room. Oh, yeah. This room is going to be the movie room. This... I mean, I think that's been true since schools had multiple rooms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was I... Little House on the Prairie, and then there was the school where on, on the incentive day, you each got to go to a different room. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I would, like, I would choose the Polar Express room, and because it is a pajama movie, and every school does pajama day, um, you know, that was, like, a go-to, and so I think, you know, I think another reason why I really loved Polar Express as a kid was because, again, it came out in 2004, it probably had its peak with schools in, like, 2006-ish, because we're just thinking, like, oh, the time it takes to go on to digital and actually, like, become a, a classroom staple. Like, there's going to be a little bit of time. You know, kids start requesting it in 2005 and your school goes, oh, we need to get a couple copies of the Polar Express. <laughs> so, you know, if we're just, you they know. they got to wheel the TV in. Exactly. So if we're just, like, you know, saying, let's say 2006. You know, how old were we then? We were nine. nine. So we're, we are young, but we are also not too young to be really scared <laughs> of this movie. This is not a movie for children. It is not a movie for children. It's downright frightening. It's downright diabolical. Um, and when you watch it as adult, as an adult, you go like, "This is this is scary." And so I think if you watch this movie as like a four year old, thinking it's like a good, light hearted, classic family Christmas film, uh, you're in for a rude awakening. Uh, it's terrifying. But I think because we were nine, we probably found that grit intriguing. Um, and again, so many, so many Christmas stories are kind of scary. It's, you know, like a Christmas Carol, we recommend the production that I, that, that we do at work for ages five and up would not bring a five-year-old. A lot of people, we do a sensory friendly performance every year that is obviously designed for people with sensory sensitivities. Um, but a lot of parents elect to bring their children to their young children to a sensory friendly performance because they're like we want to walk out if it's too scary for them we want the house lights on because the darkness and the literal grim reaper is going to be too scary for them in combination with each other so you know it's interesting like it, there are a lot of these stories that are scary the polar express is scary it's dark i think gritty is a good word for it it is very gritty it is like they almost die like a lot. Um, it is it is a very the hobo. Yeah, the hobo who badgers you. Like it is it is spooky. Yes, yes. Uh, I also want I want to make this clear. I, what I'm about to say, I am not referring to um, the the train ride that we went on. I'm not referring to the book. I think that there are. I think that those things are beautiful. I think that the heart of the Polar Express is really beautiful. I think that. A lot of the iconography, like some of the iconography that we saw on the train, is really effective. As a movie, I do not like the Polar Express. I do not like it when you say I want to watch it. At all? I Really at all. Uh, see, I think, like, it is as spooky as it is magical for me. If it was 30 minutes, it would be awesome. Well, yes. I agree it's way too long. It's I agree way, it's too long. It is an hour 40, and it should be 40. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd go so far as 40, but I think it could be like, you know, uh, it could be an hour 20, an hour 10. I mean, we did uh, the train in 45 minutes, roughly, and I got the full experience. Yeah, I think um, the movie... Sucks. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I think that there are very magical parts of it. No, I agree. There's a lot, like, the heart of it works. I do not get me wrong. The story works. This is... 
uh, Robert Zemeckis going full motion capture. And apparently, according to this behind-the-scenes thing that we watched, it was Tom Hanks brought it to Robert Zemeckis, which I'm going to curse the name Tom Hanks just for one second because I think it kind of ruined Zemeckis as a director. He became obsessed with this motion capture thing, and he became obsessed with CG. And most of his output, if not all of his output, I'm double-checking myself here, has been based in that in some way in the years since. Beowulf. A Christmas Carol, uh, Welcome to Marwin, Pinocchio. He's been doing it a lot. And this is because it's it's very early days, as they say on Love Island. And like, yes, oh, it worked in Lord of the Rings. Well, in Lord of the Rings, most of that is practical. And then you've got like Gollum, who, let's be honest, looks like shit nowadays. Because that was just the time period where it just kind of looked like shit. And this movie is choppy it's weird and i hate to like i hate to um dismiss it just on that but like um film is a is a is an audio and visual medium and the visuals i do not like looking at them especially because they made this decision for adults to play the children and in that motion capture they have very adult like faces and mannerisms and stuff and i it's just kind of uncanny valley to me it is. I definitely get the Uncanny Valley thing. I think for me, it, it's in the same way where Patrick and I rewatched Toy Story. for the, We did an episode on it. Um, you know, No, we didn't. We didn't? <laughs> no. This was before. the. I think Toy Story was one of the things that made us go, wow, we really like watching these things. Oh, I, for some reason I thought we, we found an opportunity to speak on it in some capacity. But I guess not. But I guess we just spoke about it. Well, anyways. Um we decided to rewatch Toy Story, I think, during the pandemic or like... This is another one of those movie theaters were open, but nobody went. So it was like five bucks. And oh. I think, you know, we saw it at Cinemark. I think we were the only people in the theater. Oh, oh, oh okay. I didn't even remember seeing it on the big screen. Anyways, we rewatched we, we re Toy Story and we both went into it confident that it would be the greatest animated feat we had ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely sure of ourselves. How could it not be? That's all we remember it being beautiful and brilliant in every way <laughs> toy story like sucks like oh toy no the heart of it is still the, there. the it looks terrible it looks awful it's not God. fun to look at and you have to look at it for an hour and a half it looks like awful like <laughs> truly bad and that is part partially because um it's the first full-length cg animated movie like we we're gonna give it a pass right but snow white was the first full-length animated feature and that doesn't look like shit. Yeah, so Toy Story was so bad. And we left going, like, scratching our heads, just going, like, huh? Like, how did that, this like, is 10 years how later. did this seep into our brains? Here's what I will say about the Polar Express. Now, watching it as a critical adult, I agree. There are parts of it that skeeve me out. There are <laughs> certain character designs that are unsettling for me. There are certain performances that don't hit. There are a lot of things to nitpick about this movie. I think watching it as a kid in 2004, 2005, 2006, it felt like the illustrations coming to life. I 100% give you in, that. In a way that had not been done before. And it felt magical in that feat. And I think there is a part of me that if I'm being honest with myself and I'm trying not to sugarcoat things, there's a part of me that is always a little bit disappointed when I watch this movie now because it just doesn't hold up the same. It just doesn't. 
but I, I hold close to my heart those moments of going like, this is the future and like, this is so cool. And like, I'm watching something that's like painted and real life. And like, when do you get to do that? When have I ever seen anything like that? Not, not often. And so it felt so beautiful and so perfect for the time. But yeah, there is a part of me that like, you know, when you say you don't want to watch it every year, I don't push it because I also know that part of me will be disappointed watching it. That's sad. That's like a reality of growing up that we don't like talk about. There are some things, I can't think of an example right now, where I go to you and I say like, you know, I've really been wanting to rewatch Blank, but I know that it won't hold up. And so I'm not going to. I just want to like it. I just want it to be good in my brain and not have it be ruined. I was worried that the fox and the hound was going to be ruined in some way. And, and I was so grateful that it didn't. But I just, you know, the Polar Express, it's not perfect. You can nitpick it to death. But I, I think the heart of the story is incredible. I think that it is such, such a strong story. I think that the performances are touching. They are just packaged unsettlingly. That's the thing is, I don't think it's nitpicking it to death. I think it's one glaring issue that I can't get past, which is the motion capture shit is weird. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, It's really funny. I don't know if you've seen on TikTok, but like there are um, people who look like ideas identical to those characters like literally identical and they like will like meet up and like do like scenes from the movie it's like and you go like yeah see like why did you look that real and like that that much like a human <laughs> yeah something about it's just a little weird and <clears throat> i'm gonna take issue with another tom hanks thing which i know sacrilege i love tom weird hanks. is like not all of them are are that jarring like the the conductor is fine. It's the boy. It's the know it all boy. He's become a meme. Well, yes, and I honestly think his character design it is a little uncanny valley, but it's also like fine. Um, hero boy and lonely boy I think are fine, but then you get into like some of the other people. The like elves are weird. The elves are weird. Like <laughs> you know, it's just like I don't know why like some people it worked and some people it didn't. And so I, I'm gonna, I love Tom Hanks. Do not get me wrong. Great, and, and, and also in this featurette, it says Tom brought this to Bob and said, I want to play the conductor. Tom Hanks knows himself. He knows his brand, the perfect conductor, okay? And another thing that we mentioned earlier with the with the conductor that we had in, in Toy Story, Tom Hanks has a perfect voice for animation. It's so elastic. It's so um, – uh, he's got this, this really big range. He's very – animated in his in his voice and so it works very well for for this this you know kind of style tom hanks is not a uh 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 what's the word i'm looking he's not a character actor he's not he wants to be he wants to be and i love him but he's not he is a a sort of stereotypical leading not stereotypical like you know you know steve mcqueen or something but he is a leading man and um so when he does the hobo, when he does Santa, it's like, I kind of wish somebody else had done this. Like, there are better Santa voices. It's just Tom Hanks going, oh, ho, 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 I'm Santa. And, like, it doesn't really play. Yeah. I, you know, Tom Hanks is a person who, like, you know, Patrick and I, like, talk about this a lot. And I don't know if we necessarily talk about it a lot um, on the podcast. I'm sure we have. But we talk about it a lot in our personal lives, just, like, watching things casually where we go like sometimes typecasting is just what you should do 
And I think like if 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 Tom Hanks had never brought this project to Robert Zemeckis and so, someone else had, we you know we say um um I I don't know uh, I I'm struggling, but like let's say um Nick Nicholas Cage. I don't know. I'm just thinking of someone <laughs> super random. Nicholas Cage just said like I I just read The Polar Express to some kids at a local library and like I think it should be a movie. I want nothing to do with it, but here Robert take it. Um, I think Tom Hanks could have still been typecast as as the conductor, but we could have totally spread the love there. And you know, I, I it's it's cool in a way where you like get older and you go like, wait a minute, that's all Tom Hanks like that one. Too. I never knew it was the boy until twenty minutes ago when we watched the documentary. Which, to be clear, he is not the voice of the boy. That is Daryl Sabera, who was in the Spy Kids movies and, and is married to Megan Trainor. And Josh Hutcherson does some little boy sized motion capture. But Tom does the majority of the motion capture. Yes. Um, and so you mean Tom? Hanks. That's what I said. Okay, sorry. I, I heard Josh again. Anyways. Um, but yeah, Tom Hanks just – and so you go like, that's Tom Hanks too? In that one? Wait, in that one? In that one? In that one? But then some of you are like, that's Tom Hanks trying to do Santa. Yeah, that's Tom Hanks trying to be a kid. Like, you know, it just <laughs> – yeah, it's, it's interesting. I will say the behind-the-scenes stuff is very fascinating. I, I feel like, you know, CG – I will always have a love-hate relationship with. I, well, no, you, you continue. I feel like, you know, when it's really good, it's really good. But it's not often really good. And so people try and they, like, are are so obsessed with the pursuit of making it really good that then you get 90% of things that are not. And I feel like practical is always better, but it's easier to do CG, and I understand that. But I just, like, miss um, – I'm, I'm going to shit on a movie for a second – death on the nile patrick and i saw death on the nile and my letterbox review which i still stand by is i i miss when movies were just shot at a real place something that was incredible about saltburn which we just recently saw and we talked about it on a recent episode of the feature presentation flagship podcast which you can go listen to now something that was incredible about saltburn same with like marie antoinette by sofia coppola is you just find the space and then you live there and you film there and that is how the movie is made and I understand that that's not always realistic but I always think it is the better choice. Death on the Nile is a grand movie literally filled with grandeur and you are in front of a green screen the entire time and it's and it's grating it's just never going to land in that way and I just I miss when Movies, obviously, this is a separate thing because this is entirely CG, but I think there is, like, a plague of CG is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, I mean, that's this is the Marvel movies filming uh, their movies in Best Buy parking lots in Atlanta. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a, a Hollywood issue at play here, you know, that I, that I totally agree with. And I also think it's, it's you know, sometimes low-hanging fruit to be like, this doesn't look very good. But then you also get some of the newer Disney stuff looks great. And I haven't seen a bunch of the uh, newer Disney stuff, but people don't like it as much because we've now lost some of the stories, some of the heart, blah, blah, blah. So it is a very difficult balance, and I want to acknowledge that. And it seems like the only one that's ever hit a home run is Monsters, Inc. <laughs> the, I, I have not – people are dying for my shitting on Tom Hanks thing. So here it is, okay? I love him. He's the perfect conductor. I love him in everything else, Okay. In the Except for Elvis. In the feature. <laughs> I love him in Elvis. That's him thinking he's a character actor. <laughs> that, I know, but I don't love him in Elvis. <laughs> in the feature, Bob Zemeckis says, in the spirit of The Wizard of Oz, where Frank Morgan plays everyone, we've got Tom playing everyone. Frank Morgan was a character actor. 
and Frank Morgan was a contortionist, and it takes you being a full-blown-ass adult to realize. You go like, oh, that, there's him, and that's him. You go like, oh, my God, that's him too, and that's him. He's everywhere because he disappears, and he has, is such a, a brilliant you know, sort of stage actor and such a brilliant um, – uh, uh, he just em embodies these things and has so much fun with them that it is – you really have to catch up. It is Tom Hanks in every character. And the voice actor uh, uh, person akin to that, or one of them, is Nick Kroll. When you go, Nick Kroll is everyone in Big Mouth. Literally everyone <laughs> in Big Mouth. Wait, even him and even her and even th them? Like, you know, like you just go, you know, you, you realize some of them. Okay, sure, you know his Lola, you know. The coach you know, that talks yeah, like that. Yeah, you know the coach. <laughs> but, like, you, he's everyone, everyone. And so, um, you know, Tom Hanks just, although you said, you know, I think elastic is a great way to describe his voice. Yes, he is elastic. It's still Tom Hanks. It's still Tom Hanks. It's always going to be Tom Hanks. Whereas there are certain people, it's kind of like the guy um, who, who, I can't think of his name, but I know you know it, the guy who voices um, Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs, no matter what. Clancy voice, Brown. Clancy Brown. When he is acting as a person. When he and, and he's just doing Clancy Brown. When we camera. saw Dexter New Blood, he was on screen for two seconds. I was like, that's Mr. Krabs. Yeah, like there are certain people who they are cast for that particular quality of their voice, and that's how they end up staying around forever, and they become institutional names because, you know, he is just Mr. Krabs now. But, yeah, Tom Hanks will always be Tom Hanks. Clancy Brown will always be Mr. Krabs. Like there are just certain things. And I say that because Clancy Brown will also always be Clancy Brown. Like Mr. Krabs is not that far of a, of, of a diversion from his distinct voice. Tom Hanks has a distinct voice. Not to say that Nick Kroll isn't always in a relatively same vein, but he's able to really bend the boundaries there. He's a character voice actor. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and I, I between it being too long and not great to look at, like if there was like a you know a forty minute cut that just hit all the best scenes, guys to the North Pole, I think I could survive. If it was like a, a, a special, I could survive. As a full length movie, I it is just not my favorite yeah i mean i respect that but i mean it just it feels special to me i think again that's another, i respect that and that's another reason why i just like i don't think i i indulge in in watching it too much because yeah it, it never was gonna hold up the way that it did on a projector surrounded by my classmates in a pajama day at school and that's something that we talk about a lot on the show is like okay now all these years later we are revisiting things what gets better what can we not believe we didn't realize was so brilliant and what does not hold up as well. We talked about this, you know, on our, on our last uh, Disney centennial episode on the Fox and the Hound that we've, we've kept referencing. Um, but like, I, I, I think of um, the Jim Carrey Grinch that we talked about last year for Christmas that when we became adults got so much better because we saw all the little things that they got right. And a lot of people don't like that movie. We love that movie and you can go listen to our episode on it last year. Um, Fox and Hound, obviously. This is like, I think it's it's just better if you're a kid. And I saw that on the faces of the kids who were watching the movie at the BNO, and then the conductor came out, and these kids were shitting their pants. And that is awesome, and I'm so glad they had that experience. And, you know, it's very clearly going to be a long-lasting thing. You know, I mean, that movie came out 20 years ago now, and um, we're still doing train rides. And, and that's awesome. I just don't know how often I'm going to put on the DVD. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that really is it. I think, you know, we 
the ethos of Y two kids is, or you know, the the mission that we seek out to in every episode is, um, you know, we want to revisit things from our childhood and see do they hold up. And this is a case of it will never hold up as much as it does on pajama day with your classmates drinking Swiss Miss with water because that's what your teacher made for you. Like it just <laughs> from it, the water fountain. Yeah, from the water fountain. Um, yeah, it's just never <laughs> going to be the same. And you know, sometimes I, you know, I got to relive a little bit of that magic when I was teaching kindergarten and I had a pajama day and. Even then, I went like, oh, we aren't doing, you know, sure, we sat down and we watched a Christmas movie today, but, like, it wasn't the same. At my elementary school, I mean, we would have, like, a Santa, we had, it was called, like, Santa's Workshop, and it was a Saturday where, like, a bunch of local vendors came out, and in the cafeteria were all kinds of crafts, and it was, like, a community event. That's cool. And they had a Santa, and, like, my elementary school did, did Christmas fantastically and it was like you you would buy like little homemade gifts and you would like it was basically like you would buy cheap homemade gifts to give to your parents um so like your parents would take you and they would give you five bucks and you would buy them a little handmade ornament and a little thing you know for five bucks total and that's what you would give your parents on christmas and you know we would do all these fun things we had this like giant gymnasium we would all go watch movies in there and you know it was just like we would do like like my elementary school just did Christmas so or the holiday season rather just so perfectly and although I got to relive a little bit of that magic I I kept thinking like I'm falling short like it's just never the same as when you're a kid because it's so special when you're a kid I hope that for the short time that I taught those kids look back on that experience and they go like it will never be as special as when I was a kid um but it just feels like sometimes it feels like we are the last generation that like really got in touch with things not to get like depressing about it but right, merry christmas everyone yeah merry christmas i'm having a quarter life crisis <laughs> christmas isn't fun anymore uh no i'm yeah. kidding so if you're a y2 kid you might also be having a quarter life crisis that's why this is brought to you by better help um, <laughs> that's why you should go on the polar express yeah um okay so uh a couple reminders on our way out the door Number one, thank you again to the folks at the BNO. We had such a good time, and and um, we were so happy to do this episode. Uh, number two, we're taking a couple weeks off. This is our Christmas special. Uh, we are done for 2023, but then when 2024 hits, we are back to weekly episodes. Um, lots of pre-recorded stuff and some new stuff. That's not to say that it's all not. I don't mean pre-recorded as reruns. It's all new stuff, but some we're going to talk about some newer movies as well. Um, Lots of fun stuff coming up in the new year when we come back to weekly. The best place to find all of that upcoming stuff is our website, featurepresentationandvideo.com. It is the home of everything that we do. Every podcast, every review, every column, it all happens over at featurepresentationandvideo.com. This Polar Express episode is kicking off um, about two weeks worth of Christmas stuff on the site. Um, which is really exciting. And so if you, if you enjoyed this, uh, you will enjoy all that stuff. Head on over to our site. You can put your email address in, and we'll just send you everything that we do for free, free stuff five days a week over at FeaturePresentationVideo.com. The best place to find the show on Twitter is at Y2KidsPod. You can also send us an email, Y2KidsPod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone and on X at Mailer Talone. You can find me at Patrick J. Wrinkle everywhere you find people online. The best place to find us is our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. Can't tell you what the next episode is because we're not sure what it's going to be, but it will be the first week of 2024 as we kick off our weekly episode.
but from Patrick and Taylor at Y2 Kids, we wish you the happiest of holidays and hope that it can, you know, you can listen to this episode and watch some of your favorite movies and evoke some of the nostalgia you felt as a kid. Even if it might not be the same, you can always keep trying. See you next time, folks. See you then.